Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. So we've been looking at this passage, or Greg's been talking to us from this passage in 2 Peter, which he's described as the ladder of faith. And um, so we're continuing with that today. I don't know if you can remember the different rungs of the ladder, but the, the, the point that Greg's been I think making very well is that with this ladder it's so important that we don't see it as we're climbing up trying to get to heaven it's not that's not how it works so we're not striving to achieve salvation because the foot of the ladder is on a very solid foundation of faith and that's something that we can be secure about we can be confident about and I've I've climbed a few ladders in my time and I'm sure some of you have as well. And the thing about ladders is it's really important that the feet of the ladder are on a solid ground. Because if the ground's soft, you get halfway up the ladder and it starts sinking, but they don't sink at the same time. So one leg always sinks more than the other, and then you end up in trouble. So we need a strong foundation. And that's, uh, that's what um, Peter actually talks about here in this chapter because he actually starts his whole letter with um, in verse 1 verse 2 he says Simon Peter a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours that's the foundation so he's talking to people who have the same kind of faith as, as he has and he says um, by the righteousness of God our saviour Jesus Christ. Um, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our of Jesus our Lord. So the the, um, the foundation for our ladder is is really crucial. And I think looking around, I'm I'm sure we we all know that. Um, but it, we we need to remember that that we're not uh, we're not trying to achieve that. Um, because Jesus has achieved that. That's what we've just celebrated with communion. That that's what the cross is all about. That was Jesus paying for this foundation of faith, salvation, which we so appreciate. And um, you know, someone might say, "Well, you know, what what do we do for that?" And the answer is, you don't do anything. You just believe. And uh, someone might say, "Well." Surely I get some credit for believing, don't I? And God says, no, because even faith is a gift from God. And it says in Ephesians uh, that uh, we are saved by grace through faith, and that, not of yourselves, is a gift of God, so that no one can boast. So there's no boasting, there's no, you know, we might be a bit smug here this morning thinking, well, we're the holy ones because, you know, we've come to church. And... You know, we've been praying about the people out there. But the fact that we're here is God's doing entirely. He called us. He chose us. He brought us in. That's the foundation. It's an amazing truth. Now, it raises lots of questions. Why hasn't he brought the others in? (laughs) You know, there's a mystery in our own salvation. But um, it's true. And it's important truth. And so... Um, this ladder is all about um, 
our Christian lives. It's about what do we do after salvation? What are we going to do with our lives? It's about adding these things. So Greg's already talked about um, adding virtue or moral excellence, it says in my version, and knowledge. He's already talked about those things. And then it goes on to talk about self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. These are things that we need. And it's not a sequence. It's not, it's not that you say, well, um, I haven't quite finished yet with, with virtue, so I don't need any knowledge. We need them all at once. <laughs> so it's not quite like a ladder in that sense, because we need the whole, all the rungs together. We need to be working on them all together. And today we're just talking about perseverance. And perseverance really covers all of them, because we need to persevere in all of these things if we're going to reach the goal. And there's three goals mentioned in this chapter. So in verse 8, it says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. So the first goal is an immediate goal, that we want to be fruitful. We want to be useful. We don't want to be useless. We want to, be, um, we want to have a, a use in God's kingdom, and we want to bear fruit. So that's an immediate goal. But then there's um, a longer-term goal, for it says in verse 10, um, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. All right? So if, we, if we're working on this with diligence, then we'll never stumble. So that's another goal, that we would actually reach the end of our lives without falling down. That's important. And then there's an even further goal in verse 11, for he says, in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So, so we're looking as well for this goal that we're going to reach the kingdom of God. And Peter actually talks later in this letter quite a lot about that, and um, we'll refer to that in a minute. But, so there's three goals there that um, we need to be, keep in mind, really. We want to be fruitful. We don't want to stumble and we want to reach the end, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, but there's also a warning. It's a warning contained in that in verse 10, really. It says that we need to be diligent. Um, obviously, stumbling is a danger. And that's where perseverance comes in. So this, this idea of perseverance... Uh, I don't know if you knew, knew, but there's actually a doctrine uh, called the Perseverance of the Saints. It's a Christian doctrine. And if you're in an Anglican church, they would talk about that, along with all the other doctrines, quite a lot. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting because it, I'm meant to bring a coin today um, to flip to show you. But the doctrine of perseverance has two sides to it. And um, the thing about a coin is you can only look at one side at a time. So when you're looking at the heads, you can't see the tails. When you turn around and look at the tails, you can't see the heads. But quite a lot of Christian doctrines are like a coin. So the doctrine of God, for instance, uh, you look on one side and it says God is one God. And you look on the other side and it says God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's three persons, one God. Three. How does that work? It's almost beyond our minds. So we have to believe sometimes, we have to hold things... Uh, that are, seem to be opposites, seem to contradict each other. The doctrine of Christ is another one. So 
uh, Jesus is fully God. That's one side of the coin. On the other side, he's fully man. It kind of confuses our minds, doesn't it? Um, But the fact there's quite a few of these in Christian thinking means that God's, I think God's put it there deliberately because he wants us to understand, hey, you can't understand me completely. <laughs> I'm beyond that. But the important thing is we hold on to these truths. So we don't throw out one, say, oh, well, I'm only look look at one side of the coin because I can't, I can't work out what's on the back. Forget it. No, we need to keep looking at both, but not necessarily at the same time. So the doctrine of man is another one. Um, so... As people, we uh, we have free choice. We we God's made us so that we can choose to do right or wrong. We choose what we do every day. But God says, actually, when you become a Christian, I chose you. In the beginning, I chose you, and I elected you to be part of my kingdom. So I thought I should, I thought that was my decision. No, no, God says no. I did that then look the other side of the coin, and, and actually it is our decision. So our choices are real choices. We're not just being forced like robots, you know, to do what we do. God hasn't made us that way. So there's his choice, and there's our choice. And so we have these, these doctrines, and it's the same with perseverance. So with perseverance, on one side of the coin, uh, it's, it says, do not fall away. And that's what Peter's talking about. Don't allow yourself to stumble. It's a danger. Don't be drawn away from God. And then on the other side of the coin it says, he who believes will be saved. And that's something we can have absolute assurance about. So today we don't need to doubt our salvation. We don't need to doubt. God says, I will see to it that you reach the end. But on the other side of the coin, it says, you need to be diligent that you keep going and reach the end. Um, So I'd I'd like to look at a few verses on each of those, just for a moment, if we could, because um, the Bible talks about both. And as with the other doctrines, it's important that we hold on to the truths. So just um, looking at this this idea, uh, we're in John chapter 8, Ashley, if you've got that one. Let's look at this idea of perseverance from our point of view. Jesus said he, in verse 30, he said, As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So there's an if. They come to believe, but there's an if. And you have to continue in my word. And then there's another one in um, Colossians chapter 1 and it says although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind engaged in evil deeds yet now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless uh, beyond reproach. And then verse 23 says if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established. So there's an if again. So we're Christians, but we have to keep going. We have to keep going to the end. And then finally in Hebrews, in chapter 3, I really just 
picking on these just to show you the, 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 the truths affirmed by Scripture. So obviously we're taking all of these out of their context. We're just looking at the truth of them at the moment. So in verse 12, it says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So it's obviously possible for people to apparently fall away. Okay, so that's our side. And Peter also, I think, refers to to that um, when he says we have to be diligent in this chapter. On the other side of the coin, there's this rock-solid assurance that we are saved by God and that our future and our inheritance is completely secure. So let's just look at that side of it, just briefly. Uh, starting in John 3.16. Does anyone know that verse? <laughs> so, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So there's no, no ifs or buts there. If you believe in him, you won't perish. Um, and then again in John chapter 10, uh, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That sounds pretty secure, doesn't it? Pretty cast iron guarantee from Jesus. And then in the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, he says this, in verse 3, he, he's talking about those who have been born again, halfway through the verse, to a living hope, that's us, isn't it, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. All right, so it's an imperishable inheritance, undefiled, will not fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So that's a, that's, a, that's a secure promise, isn't it? This, this um, inheritance is actually being protected for us by God. It's been reserved. It's not conditional on us at all. So they're the two sides of this coin. And um, actually, you've got one more. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, which I... I I particularly like this verse. He says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ, Jesus. So it seems to be saying here, we don't need to fear falling away. And yet Peter says, be diligent that you don't fall away. So uh, I thought what we'd just do then to kind of bring that together is to think about, well, what, how, how do these truths fit together? And let's look at Second Peter as a whole. Um, we can't do it in detail, obviously, this morning, but it's, it's three chapters. What's Peter really getting at here? How does this come together? And where it really matters is, I think, for us, is when we come across people who we thought were believers and they walk away. They backslide, as we sometimes say. And they, they stop coming to church, they stop worshipping, so they might, might even renounce their faith. 
So what's happened there? What I think what most people um, accept from that is that we don't know who is truly a believer. God knows, but we don't know. So we might see people who appear to have had a, a genuine conversion, and then they say no. Like the parable of the sower, you know, where the seed falls on the rocky ground and it springs up and then the sun comes out and it withers away. So we don't actually know whether people are saved or not. But from our own point of view, we can have assurance. So there's lots of ways we have assurance. We don't just have assurance at the end of our lives. We say, phew, I made it, you know, (laughs) I've persevered to the end. So... No, you can have assurance now, today, so that the rest of your life you can know that God has saved you. And that's so important. And so it depends on on the context. Now, Peter wrote two letters. His first letter, 1 Peter, he wrote to people who were suffering persecution. And so so his whole emphasis there was you need to persevere through this persecution and you need to know that you're saved. That's why that verse that we read about assurance is, is there. His second letter, he was writing for a different reason. He was writing to people who were in danger of being led astray by false teachers. The whole of chapter 2 is about false teachers. And so in Second Peter, he's got a different object. And so in that one, he's saying, look, you need to be careful you don't follow these false teachers because you might fall away. You need to be careful you don't get misled by all this fake news, you might call it today. Error. And so the context of the two letters is, um, is really important. Um, so let's just go through very briefly. So we were, in chapter one, we've got this, he's basically saying, look, you need to be diligent. He says it twice in this chapter, that you've got to be diligent about adding to your faith. You know, you've got to add virtue, add knowledge brotherly kindness. Try and get more and more of these things because there's so much at stake. And then in verse 20 of uh, chapter 1, he goes into then how if we're not careful, we will fall into error. And so he says, know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so truth comes uh, through men of God that God uses. It's not just about us reading the Bible and working it out for ourselves. We need to submit very often to those who've gone before, uh, like the apostles. And that's one of the safeguards against us being led astray. And then the whole of chapter 2 is about false teachers. And I'll just give you a taste of it um, from verse 21, where there's a warning to the false teachers. It says, For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. So uh, he's warning against these teachers, and he's warning the teachers. He's actually, he's warning these people who are uh, putting out false doctrine that uh, 
you know, the, there's judgment to come. And we, we, we live in a world that's awash with error and false teaching. And obviously the internet's the obvious thing, but it's not just on the internet. You know, it's, it's, it's the people around us don't believe anymore. You know, used to, people used to believe in God, but most people don't. If they do, they don't believe in the, the God we believe in. They believe in their own idea of who God is. And so we, if we need to be careful we don't get, uh, we don't absorb that as we're going through our lives. And that's really what I think Peter is warning against, largely. And then we go to chapter 3, and it starts with a reminder in verse 1 and 2. He says, this is the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Saviour spoken by your apostles. So there's the reminder to hold on to the pure truth that God has delivered. And then he goes on to talk about the second coming of Christ. And he, he talks about Jesus will return. And that's the hope that we have. And the one thing we need more than anything else to, if we're going to persevere, is we've got to have hope. We've got to have something to look, look to. And this chapter, chapter 3 of St. Peter, is all about that hope and the reality of it. And um, the thing I like particularly is when we get to verse 10, he starts to talk about the physical realities of that hope. And this is the top of the ladder, all right? This is where we're trying to get to in our Christian lives. And we will get to because God will see to it um, that we get there. Just to remind you of that, right at the beginning, in verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So even climbing this ladder is something that God will help us with. He's going to give us power to do. But let me just read you a little bit about this hope. All right, so verse 10. Um, of chapter 3. It says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed, what sort of people ought you to be? Verse 12 then, uh, Looking for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Sounds awful, doesn't it? He's talking about the earth being destroyed. So what then? We're just left with heaven? No. He goes on. He says, um, but according to his promise, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwell. And this is what Revelation talks about. Heaven and earth become the same thing. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for doing our best to save the planet. Okay, I don't want to rubbish that. But as Christians, we need to understand that God's got a new one lined up. And everything I know about God tells me it's going to be better than this one. It's not going to be worse. It's going to have more beauty, more diversity, more interest and yeah, more to explore. Uh, and it, 
I think we're not told the detail, but I think we can be confident that it's going to be good. Therefore, he says, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent. There it is again. Be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And so these warnings, um, they're real warnings. There are real dangers out there for us. And we, I think we do well to, to take heed of what, what Peter's saying. Um, but then he, he ends on a, a positive note, the end of chapter 3, verse 17. He says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And that's how he ends this, this letter. And so we need to be diligent. Um, but we also can have absolute confidence that he who began a good work in us will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. That's the day he's talking about, the day of judgment, the day when everything that's evil will be replaced by only what is good and, and full of God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Peter's letters. Lord, we're probably more in the second Peter camp than the first. We're not suffering persecution. Thank you. But we are, Lord, at risk of being led astray by some of these strange ideas that are out there. So we pray, Lord, keep us from that. And Lord, help us to grow in grace and to keep uh, being diligent about these rungs of the ladder so that we may be fruitful and so that we won't stumble and so that we will enjoy the fruits of our inheritance on that day and celebrate with all the others who believe the glory of, of your kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.